Well, good morning. Have y'all seen, yeah, have y'all seen that movie, The Greatest Showman? Anybody seen that movie? Um, normally, I, I don't necessarily put plugs every day for movies. Went and saw that last night. And if you know me, um, by the way, I'm Scott. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I look forward to saying hi. If you know me or you know anything about me and uh, movies, it's typically a battle to see if I can stay awake the entire movie. And so we went to the Keller Movie House last night, Alden and I, and we saw The Greatest Showman. And I literally, I told Alden, I said, so we just had dinner. I'm in a recliner. This isn't boding well, right? Like, you're just going to have to bring me up to speed on how the movie flows. Wow. It was remarkable. And I found myself in the midst of the movie, and I'm not, it's not a spoiler or anything like that. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Guess what? They have a circus. Okay, so, um, but I found myself in the midst of the movie, and in the midst of what we're talking about today with guardrails, just my conscience was dinging for them. There was a moment, there was a scene um, towards the end of the movie where you see, um, you, you see Barnum, who has decided to go against everything inside of him to pursue wealth, to pursue something beside him, to pursue something greater than he could ever imagine. And you saw this twinkling of an eye where he began to say, what have I given up because of what I've pursued? It's a fascinating movie. I encourage you to go see it. I didn't give anything away. Don't worry. Um, they still, like, they, they have tents. It's kind of cool, right? They have cool animals. I mean, it's a great movie. But it got me thinking, uh, have, have you ever thought about this question? Are there people in your life that you wish you'd never met? <laughs> Honest question, right? Are there people that maybe you met when you were in high school, maybe you met when you were in college, or maybe, let's put it another way, are there, there are people that you wish your spouse had never met people maybe your kids had never met your son your daughter you're like if only they wouldn't have met them this is where we would be today like ah but we talked about this last week and we we're continuing the process this week isn't it true that the the regrets we have tend to be tied to folks we've met in fact i would say this that folks we've met have led to our greatest regret I don't know about you, maybe that's not true of you, maybe that is true of you, but in many instances, it's the people that we've met that tend to have our greatest regret with. Why? Because most of the time, when we're in those relationships with people we've met, we drop our guards, right? We begin to be more comfortable with them. We begin to say, well, it's not that big of a deal, we're just friends. We begin to say, this is, this is a pursuit that we're going to have together, but it's not necessarily for either one of us. This is for the, the betterment of my family. This is for the betterment of X, Y, and Z. And, and one thing leads to another, and we begin to find ourselves in that, oh no, what happened? And as I was watching the movie yesterday, I was in that, oh no moment. I didn't fall asleep at all, by the way. The movie won. Congratulations, Keller Movie House. You kept me awake, even with those great recliners. But it brings us to what we're talking about today. Today, we're in part two of Guardrails. If you missed last week, we, we, we began the series talking about why we need guardrails. And we kind of talked about why we are entitling the series Guardrails. But just to kind of bring you up to speed, basically a guardrail is this. It is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. 
We said that from a guardrail perspective, we love to have guardrails. Why? Because they direct us and they protect us. They direct us. They keep us on the straight and narrow. They keep us on the road. They keep us from going a little bit off course. They, they, they direct us in where we need to go, and they protect us from, from hurdles or from hiccups or from other things. And we said another thing last week is that from a guardrail perspective, guardrails are always put in the safety zone. Like you never really go into a road and you see that there's this guardrail that's in the danger zone. No, we all are very comfortable um, submitting or giving ourselves up for maybe a couple of feet of which we would say is safety zones, but we'll give it up for the nature of the guardrail because we want to be protected. We want to be in the safe zone. And if we're not careful, if the guardrail's not there, we could stray off and it could be, uh-oh, oh no. But another thing we said last week regarding guardrails is when a guardrail's in place, it's designed to minimize damage. I mean, you run into a guardrail, you're going to have, you're going to have some paint damage on your car, but you might not have as big of a hospital bill. You run into a guardrail and you're going to have some trouble with the car. You might have a repair bill on the damage, but you're not going to necessarily have the extent of the damage that could be found if there wasn't a guardrail. And the reason we're entitling this series guardrails is because we don't think that guardrails are only needed on the highways. We absolutely believe that for many of us, guardrails are a key component to allowing our sanity, to allowing us to be who we want to be. And when we begin to think about the, the you you want to be, the future you, you in 10, 20, 30 years, guardrails can ha- help us by directing and protecting us as we get on that course. But one of the things we looked at last week is this idea of guardrails. Culture, culture doesn't encourage guardrails. Culture doesn't encourage us to put up guardrails. Culture won't encourage you to say, hey, you need to put up some safety rules. You need to put up some guardrails. You, want, you might want to not go that far to the border. Culture is going to tell you, hey, why not just go on over? It's not that big of a deal, right? It's, I mean, really, everybody's doing it. It's okay. Culture will tell you, you can go as close to the edge as you want. But the other thing I know about our culture is this, is is they are very content with painted lines. Very content with just putting the line on the the ground and saying, you know, if you want to sway back and forth, that's okay. But when it comes to our culture, they they might be very content with painted lines. And they might not encourage your guardrails, but when you do not put a guardrail in place and you slip over into financial, into marital, into relational disasters, what does our culture do? They tend to shame you. They tend to mock you. They tend to tell you things and call you names that you wouldn't want of anybody else. So we're put in this difficult area. Either we put these guardrails up to protect us, even though culture might not celebrate us, or we, demi- we, we, we drop the guardrails in hopes that maybe we won't fall, knowing good and well when we get too far, culture might, might ridicule us. So today, what we're looking at is we're going to talk about friends and associates, especially in regards to uh, our guardrails. We're going to talk about your friends and associates. Basically, we're going to be talking about the folks that you've met. We're going to be talking about the people you work with, the people you run with. We're going to be talking about this idea of guardrails around the people that you hang with, right? And many of you, you probably came in here today and you're thinking, oh, this is what my teenager needs. 
I'm glad. Is there any way I can like podcast this? I look forward to sharing it with them because my goodness, they need to know guardrails. But but isn't it true that just like teenagers need guardrails, just like middle schoolers and high schoolers need guardrails, we as well find ourselves susceptible if we're not careful. So today we're going to talk about a couple of just basic guardrails that we could put up in our life to help us in the realm of friendships, in the realm of associates. Now, before we take another step, there's probably going to be a little pushback. Because here's what I've seen, is when you begin to put up guardrails, some people tend to say, well, isn't that so judgmental, right? Isn't that so judgmental? Why would you want to put a rule up? Why would you want to, why would you want to be so judgmental and tell me what to say and tell me how to say it and tell me how to have friends and tell me what does this look like? And, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is something that you need to do for yourself as much as I'm saying this is something I want to work on because rather than being judgmental, I look at it as exercising good judgment. It's one thing to be judgmental and it's another thing to exercise good judgment. Being judgmental is when you come forward and you say, hey, this is all about you and I'm going to hold these rules for your sake and, and you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that and this is all about how I can get you to take this step. Being exercising good judgment isn't about the person on the other side of the table. It's about you. It's about you practicing, you figuring out what it is for you that makes you a better person, what it is for you that helps you stay from straying into the, the, the difficult areas of life. Exercising good judgment is you asking the question, in light of my past experiences, you know you. You know what you've walked through. You know what you're susceptible to. You know where you've come from. You know your story. You know your history. And your past could make you susceptible to different things that other people are susceptible to. So exercising good judgment is, is asking the question, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, this is where I'm at. That's good for you and all, but here's who I am. This is where I find myself today. Um, you can do whatever you want to do, and you can mock me however you want, but in light of my past experiences, I know who I am. And in light of my current circumstances, this is where I'm at. And in light of my future hopes and dreams, for me, this is the wise thing to do. You see, practicing good judgment is not about creating rules and creating standards for everybody else to live by. Practicing, exercising good judgment is about exercising wisdom. It's about you saying, I want to be wise in who I am, and I know what I want to be. I mean, I was watching last night as P.T. Barnum. He knew exactly where he wanted to go, but he let the guardrail fall in an effort to pursue what he thought was best for him. In the process, he almost lost everything. I begin to think about that from my own perspective. The value of a guardrail. It's not me trying to be judgmental as much as it's me practicing good judgment. Now, here's what we've found in life, right? Is that as a teenager, when somebody told you to, to exercise good judgment, they, you would call them paranoid, right? And when you think about your parents growing up, um, and they told you, don't hang out with those people, Right? They, they began to, to go into your room, and maybe if you had journals, they would pull out your journal and be like, oh, we need to watch out for this. Oh, hey, honey, come here. Like, you know, and they're like, this is before you had, they take a Polaroid. I don't know if they really did that, but they, you, you couldn't take a screenshot or anything. But it's, 
oh my goodness, we got to watch out for these people, right? And, and they became so paranoid about your friends. They became so paranoid about what you were doing. And, and you just began to say what everybody says, right? Why are you being so judgmental? To which your parents were saying, we're practicing, we're exercising good judgment because we know what's best for you, right? <laughs> Why are you being so judgmental? You, we would look at our parents and say, wow, you're being so paranoid. Stop it. But here's what I found is, um, well, maybe not for you, but for me. I know me, and I know my friends when I was growing up. And you know what it's made me? It's made me, um, as I'm looking at my kids, it's made me paranoid-er. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I know who I was hanging out with. I know my friends, and I know what I was doing when I was in high school. And, oh, Stephen, good luck. William, you're, yeah, good luck, right? I mean, but here's the beautiful thing about being paranoid-er. Technology's at our fingertips, right? So before my, my boys even bring a friend home to the house, guess what I can do? Facebook stalk, right? You call it nosy, you call it whatever you want. I'm practicing good judgment, right? I'm... But the truth is, this isn't a deal. You as a teenager, or maybe you're a teenager, and you're sitting here saying, oh my goodness, like... Can I just get out, or can I just have some of those earplugs, maybe extra, to put in my parents' ears? Like, this would be great right now. But, but the truth is, is as a parent, you're not necessarily trying to create rules for everybody else. You know where you want your kids to be. You know what kind of son, what kind of daughter you desire for them to be. So you want to exercise good judgment and help them, to guide them, direct them along this way. Your kids will say, no, you're just being, you're just, you're just being judgmental. And to which you would say, I'm just exercising good judgment. You know, I remember a, a girl, a, I say a girl, and then I was about to throw friend. This was not a girlfriend. This was, this was just a friend that was a girl that was in my senior year of school. And she put this statement in her yearbook. And I thought it was so crazy because I remember looking at her thinking, really? Like, why would you put this? Like, I don't even... I don't get you what's this but here's what she said she made this quote and she actually quoted her mom she said our friends determine the direction and the quality of our lives and I began thinking yeah that's kind of cool but isn't that true isn't that so true of our life and I, and I remember laughing at Amy in that process and thinking I mean really that's not that big of a deal right but it is so true that our friends determine the direction and the quality of our life and many of us have learned that from experience. Some of us have learned that from the parenting perspective. But if you take a step back and you go beyond the parenting, you go beyond the experiential side, and you just go to the, the sheer science side. There was a, a, a professor, a neuroscientist in, from Northwestern University that over 10 years he was trying to do this study to figure out how decision-making and relationships go hand in hand. He was trying to figure out how what you, the decisions you make, how it directly is relied upon the friendships that you have and is there truth to that is that just a wise tale that parents are saying to their kids is there really validity to the fact that as you hang out with people like-minded you begin to act like those minds that you hang out with is that true and here's what Morin Cerf a, a neuroscientist from Northwestern said he said, the more we study the engagement, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. Think about that. Just being next to somebody aligns the brain with them. Don't look to your right or left. 
But he goes on and he says this. He says, if people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, like, isn't that what we all want to do? We want to maximize our happiness, right? That's what I want to do. We want to minimize stress as much as he can. And he says this, if you want to do that, they should build a life that requires fewer decisions by surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. So we can look at it from a from an experiential side or we can look at it from a scientific side from a research side That if you want to make wiser decisions, you want to maximize your happiness You want to minimize stress then make fewer decisions. Well, how do we do that by surrounding ourselves with people who embody the traits that we prefer And he goes on and he says this over time They'll naturally pick up those desirable attitudes and behaviors just hanging out with people over time you'll begin to pick it up i would say the reverse is true as well over time if we're not careful if we hang out with people who are making the unwise decisions who have attitudes and behaviors that we don't necessarily want to prescribe to we will begin to take on those attitudes and behaviors as well so what does all this mean and what are we where are we going with this i absolutely believe that the friendships you have today they are going to help you become who you want to be tomorrow. And it's easy for us to say, well, let's bring our teenagers in here, but I believe that there's something in here for you and I, for myself, even as I'm not a teenager anymore, because we're all susceptible to this. In fact, 3,000 years ago, there was this guy named Solomon. Solomon was probably the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth some believe him to be the wisest regardless of where that belief structure is he notably from extra biblical accounts they've they've documented his riches and his wisdom were just incredible and 3,000 years ago before there was any study at northwestern university before you even had kids before you had your friends that you're sitting here saying i'm now more paranoid because i remember me i remember my friend but before any of that solomon wrote this which i think is incredibly wise (laughs) walk with the wise and become wise in other words if you want to be wise walk with them if you want to be wise surround yourself with them if you want to be wise put yourself around people that are going in the direction you want to go he says walk with the wise and become wise why because i believe wisdom is contagious See, ultimately, wisdom is understanding that your life is all a bunch of connected dots, that one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. That who I am today is a product of the dots that put me together over the last several years. And wisdom is the understanding that says those dots came together to become who I am today. Wisdom says, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams, this is the wise thing to do. Wisdom understands that there's dots that connect. <laughs> and then he goes on, he says, walk with the wise and become wise. For, or some translations say but, in other words, there's a conjunction here, it's this or that, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, I find it interesting. He could have easily said, but a companion of fools becomes more foolish. He could have easily said, you know, walk with the wise. It's, there's a, there's a, a property here that it basically is one to one. You walk with the wise and every step with wisdom, you become more wise. And every step with fools, you become more foolish. But no, he, he said that you walk with the wise and you become more wise. But as we take steps with the foolish, we will suffer harm. 
In other words, and we talked last week about foolishness and about the person who is a fool. They, they don't necessarily see everything is interconnected and they're just constantly trying to take one step in front of the other and they're saying, hey, it doesn't really matter about what tomorrow holds. It doesn't matter about what yesterday had. Um, today is today and I'm going to live in today and this is where I'm going to be today. And the problem is, is a companion of fools, well, friends who aren't careful with their lives, what we found is they won't be careful with your life. What we found is it's a proximity issue, isn't it? That when you begin to hang out with the fools, what, what Morin Surf said was true, that we will begin to act like, we'll begin to think like, and the shrapnel from their lives, when it explodes, will begin to hit us in our lives. And we've seen that time and time again. You've probably seen that maybe in your life or maybe in somebody else's life around you. As they begin to take steps with the fool, you're sitting there back, you're, you're taking a step back, you're saying, I see the writing on the wall. You need to step away. Step away from the vehicle. And they're like, oh no, it's not a big deal. I can handle this. And you're from the outside saying, no, be careful. Stop. Come back. Come back. Because you've seen how the shrapnel, the proximity, the shrapnel of walking with the foolish can be detrimental. Not just to that person, but to everybody around them. So friends who aren't careful with their lives, they won't be careful with your life. I mean, think about it. Friends who aren't careful with their health, they're not going to be careful with your health. There's a gentleman that I asked the other day. I said, hey, let's go grab lunch. And I'm very grateful for him. He, I said, hey, let's go grab lunch. And he said, that sounds good. Where do you want to go? And I gave him a burger joint that I loved. He's like, self-control, huh? Let's find something healthy. I'm like, ugh. Friends who aren't careful with their health, they're not going to be careful with your health. Friends who aren't careful with their marriages, they're not going to be careful with your marriage. Friends who aren't careful with their reputation or who don't put a lot of thought into their reputation, they're not going to put a lot of thought into your reputation. Friends who do not put a lot of stock in their faith, they're not going to put a lot of stock in your faith or your faith development. Friends who don't care about their future, they're not going to be very concerned about your future. You see, put another way, friends who don't take care of themselves, they're not going to take care of yourselves. They're not going to take care of you. Friends who don't take care of themselves, they're not going to necessarily take care of you. In fact, I've been in many circles where if there's even a semblance of a lie, like I love playing this game called marbles. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of crazy. It's, it's very competitive. And no, it's not like you grab a bag of marbles. You're like, ha ha. Like that's not it. Anyway. But it's a strategy game, like sorry and trouble all rolled in together, and it's just crazy, and I get demented and weird in any way. But I love playing it, but there's something inside of me when somebody accuses me of cheating that I, I, it makes me angry, right? It makes me mad. And my wife has realized that, that I'm like, no, like I'm not. But, but as a pastor, people love to celebrate it when I, they think I'm lying, when they think I'm cheating. They're like, ah, better than the pastor, booyah, right? Like, but isn't that true that your friends love to catch you in lies? They love to catch you cheating. They love to catch you on the edge, and they love to celebrate that. Now, you see, friends who will lie and cheat and steal, they're not going to necessarily keep you from doing that. They're going to celebrate it when it does happen. So why do I bring all this up? The point is this, is when we have a guardrail, and this is our aim today, is we want to create guardrails. When we have a guardrail, it is to light up our conscience before we veer into the danger zone. The point of a guardrail is to ding us, to light up our conscience. Like I was sitting in the movie yesterday, my conscience was lighting up, and I'm like, come on, come on, Barnum, you're smarter than this. You got, like, 
we want to put guardrails in place to light up our conscience so that we know, oh, we're straying. Watch out. So here's what I want to do. For the next few moments as we, as we wrap up and land the plane, I want to give you five basic guardrails that I think would be valuable for you and valuable for me to enact as we begin to figure out how do we take this idea of guardrails around friendships and associates to the next level? How do we, how do we be wise about what we're doing? Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be judgmental and telling you, hey, these are rules you need to apply. What I'm wanting to do is I want to give us a couple of thoughts and ideas of how we collectively can exercise good judgment. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've, it's frustrating to me because when I see followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've walked in today and you're sitting there saying, why am I here? Maybe some of these dings, you're like, man, yeah, this should be, this sh- that should be you, but it's not. What's wrong with you? For me, there's so many times that I have found as followers of Jesus that we, we blend in with the world really well. And there's really not much difference between what we're doing or what other people are doing. And when we as followers of Jesus, we begin to put these guardrails, the thing that I've found is this, is that it begins to stir a curiosity within people around you, that they begin saying things like this, you love your wife. That is weird. And then it comes from that is weird to, now why is that? There's a trust that leads to a curiosity. There's a trust that, okay, there's something about your relationship with your spouse that I am giddy over, and I want a little bit more of that. There's something in us that, okay, you're not taking part in all of these, uh, these, these things that we're doing as a staff or as a, as, a, as a business. Why is it you're not? And they begin to notice, and at first they might mock and say, you're being judgmental. But over time, it becomes trusting. And I'm not necessarily trying to say these are, these are rules you need to apply. But I think these are just a couple of good guardrails that should ding our conscience as we're walking through life. As we begin to think, in light of my past experiences, in light of who I am today, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what would be the wise thing to do in these relationships? And the first thing is this. When it dawns on you that your core group of friends, your core group of your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, it should ding your conscience. When you begin to see that the core of who you, your friends, the people you hang out with the most, they are not necessarily moving in the same direction you want them to move. Relationships aren't static. They don't tend to stay in the same place. You're either moving forward and you're growing in them or you're moving away from them. But if you find those that you're closest to are the people that are going in a direction you don't necessarily want to go, that should ding your conscience and just say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Not that you need to just completely abort ship and write them a letter and say, my pastor told me I can't be friends with you again. Like that, that is, <laughs> it's not the aim. There should just be a ding in your conscience that is this, is this something that's valuable for me? You see, because one of the things that you can see is as you're watching where they're heading, it is a good indicator of where they are going to lead you. As you watch where different people are heading, it is a good indicator of where they will lead you. The second thing is this is when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. You ever found yourself in that scenario where you're like nodding your head, like, yeah, and you're in, inside you're like, I don't agree with what I'm nodding my head for. Everybody's nodding, and I'm nodding too, and, and I, I don't want to nod, but I need to nod because everybody's nodding, and I want acceptance. I want people to like me. Oh, I mean, sorry, that's me. You're probably like, what? Have you ever found yourself nodding in, a, in, an, in an instance where you're like, 
I shouldn't be nodding right now. Like, I don't agree with this. And so one of two things is happening. You're either a bad friend and you're, li- you're, you're showing them a version of you that's not true. Or you are trying to lie to yourself. And you're trying to create something to be true that you know really isn't true. But when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. Now, it's not necessarily lying per se. But that's a good check. Like, whoa, wait a second. I need to watch this. You know what? I'm nodding right now, and, and what they're talking about right now is nothing in regards to what I believe. I need to stop. I need to pause. Who am I really? What do I really believe about this circumstance, about this scenario? When you catch yourself pretending. The, the next thing is this. When you feel pressure to compromise, <laughs> when you feel pressure to compromise, I don't know what the scenario looks like for you, but when you feel the pressure, the temptation that, man, I should not do this, but when there's that pressure to compromise the deep-seated belief or the ideas or, or what you believe, and it, it could be about a, a, a lion's share of things from, from lifestyle to alcohol to you name it. But when you begin to walk into that pressure to compromise and say, oh, it's just one drink, oh, it's not that big of a deal. When you feel pressure to compromise, that should ding your conscience. Like, whoa, wait a second. Whoa, time out. It's not that big of a deal. Is it a big deal? What does this look like? What about this? When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Would you accept that from your 14-year-old daughter? <laughs> Have you thought about that? Hey, your daughter comes home. Imagine she, he, everybody right now, you all have 14-year-old daughters. Congratulations, all right? Now, just imagine you're in that boat. And your daughter comes home and says, Dad, guess what? There's a party tonight, and there's going to be drugs and alcohol, and it's going to be awesome. But, but, Dad, don't worry. All the cool kids are going to be there, but I will not participate. Don't. Don't worry. I won't do anything. And would you accept that from your 14-year-old daughter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bring it, right? Like, maybe you would say, yes, and I'm going with you. And then they're going to look at you like, oh, buzzkill, right? Like, no, you're not going, Dad, you don't understand. I'm finally getting to spread my wings in high school. I'm finally getting to be who... No, this isn't how we want you to spread your wings. But we wouldn't accept this from our 14-year-old daughter. But let me ask you this. Do you begin to accept that of yourself? I'll go, but I won't participate. I'll go, but it won't be that big of a deal. I'll go, but, but, but. You know, when you find yourself saying that, that should be a ding in your conscience. The next thing is this. (laughs) When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. That should ding your conscience. It's not necessarily that it's bad. It's not that it's immoral. It's not that it's wrong. And it's not that you're lying. But it is the beginning of a lie. It's the nucleus of a lie, if you would, when you begin to say, when you begin to think through the whole process of, okay, I hope she doesn't find out. I hope they don't know. I hope, I hope they don't know where I'm at tonight. Because if they ask, I might be tempted to to either lie to protect myself or then I've got it well this is what's going on well it's not that big of a deal but just be honest from the beginning if if you find yourself if 
you, find, if you hope that the people you care about don't know your whereabouts, that should be a ding. And this is why this is such a big deal for me. Personally, as a student pastor for 15 years before we jumped into this adventure called North Tarrant Church, I saw firsthand teenagers left and right that these dings could care less. Everything was judgmental, 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 judgmental. It's not exercising good judgment. This is all judgmental. You know what I found is as we've transitioned from working with specifically adolescents into working with adults, per se, is that it's not much different. We still find these dings in our conscience. We still know that who we are, what we're wanting to be, is directly correlated with the friends that we hang out with. The people that we run with, the associates we have, the friends, the the groups we have. And for me personally, this is why small groups, this is why community groups is such a big deal. Oh, all right. Is, is, Is this like all the phones going off together for Amber Alert or like, all right, let's pray and amen. I'm running out of here. Anyway. Where was I? Anyway, no. Because here, here's what I have seen. Is there, there are adults, and I know you guys are smarter, and these, these dings are already in your life, and you've got the guardrails, and you've, you're understanding this is who I want to be in light of my future hopes and dreams. This is where I want to go. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of adults that tomorrow morning will wake up, and they'll look at themselves in the mirror and say, how did this happen to me? How did this happen to me? Why did this become my reality? Why did I allow myself to walk that road? Why did I allow myself to drop the guardrail? How did this happen to me? And I find this is so much more than a teenage issue. This is a humanity issue. Because at the end of the day, our friends still determine the direction and the quality of our life. We preach that to teenagers all the time, but the truth is they still determine the direction of our qual- the, the direction and quality of our lives. You know, Jesus, throughout the course of his life, he constantly had individuals that were trying to, to minimize what he had to say and were constantly trying to ask questions of him, to, to silence him, ask questions of him to get him to be quiet, ask questions of him to put him in a corner so that, um, guess what, we've got him now. And in one instance, Jesus was asked a question, and, and he responds, and I think this is so valuable. Because this is, this is a statement, this is something that possibly could be one of the greatest statements he makes. Because it is so applicable to all of us today, and he says this, Wisdom is proved right by all her children. In other words, time and time again, you want to be wise, wisdom is going to be proved right by what happens down the road. You, you, you know, you... You don't put a guardrail up, that's okay. You could win the argument. You don't want to put a guardrail up in this area or that's that area. It's not a right or wrong issue. But the reality is this is a wisdom issue. This is an idea of what is the wise thing for me to do. And while putting up a guardrail, it might not be necessarily <laughs> the, the winning battle today. But 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 
when you begin to ask yourself, what does the future me want to be? When in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what are those hopes and dreams? What do you want that to look like for you? And could it be that wisdom has proved right over time? By us putting up guardrails and us defining where's the boundary, it's in the safe zone, I understand. But could it be that when we put up boundaries, when we put up guardrails, it sets us on a trajectory to in the end, not win the argument today, but win the battle of who we want to be. So I'd ask you, where are your guardrails? When it comes to your friends, when it comes to your associates, is it a battle worth fighting? Is putting wisdom into play and trying to connect the dots worth taking that next step? I, for me, I believe it is. I know exactly who I want to be and how I don't necessarily want to fall prey to what Barnum ran into. It's a great movie. Love the movie. I'd go watch it again. Just watching the, the theatrics. I'd be, I love saying Hugh Jackman is the best actor in the world. Yeah, agreed. Come on, yeah. <laughs> but look at what lack of guardrails did for him. In light of your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you?